Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world who's had quite a 24 hours. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan Schusterman, and we're going to talk about it all. We are going to talk about it all. We thought we talked about it all on yesterday's show, but then we ended up on the timeline that will force us to talk about it so much more. The Phillies won a baseball game 10-2. to That's all that happened. We're going to get in to everything that went into that game before and after, of course, as well as discuss the Astros and Diamondbacks advancing to the League Championship Series. The Snakes await the Phillies or the Braves. Wait, the Astros are in the LCS? Yes, Jake. For year number seven in a row, no surprise there. We're going to get to the Astros and Diamondbacks advancing in the second half, but we must begin in Philadelphia where you remain, Jake, following a dramatic game three, not in terms of win probability, but certainly in terms of drama as the Phillies take this one 10-2 in emphatic fashion. All those home runs that you were complaining were not being hit against the Marlins. Well, here they were against the Atlanta Braves. So let's talk about this baseball game, and then we'll talk about the stuff from the non-baseball game. It was pretty straightforward. The Braves scratch a run across in the second inning on an Ozzy Albies RBI single. Acuna scampers home. Uh, and then, who, by the way, Acuna was awesome last night. Oh, like, yeah. he was just so locked in. He didn't look great first couple games of the series, and the they kind of switched up the game plan a little bit on him yesterday, threw a lot of breaking stuff away, and he was just taking it, right? I think he had, what, two singles up the middle on those, and then one double that down the line the other way. He was just totally locked in. So then, uh, bottom of the third, Castellanos, leadoff homer. I'm sure something horrible happened in the world at the same time. Uh, and then... It sets up the big moment, which is first and second, two outs, Bryce Harper at the plate, Bryce Elder on the mound. Elder looked really good through the first two innings. I believe he retired every every single hitter he faced. But then in a 2-1 count, he offered up a cement mixer with enough cement to, to build a parking lot. I mean, it was, with all due respect to Bryce Elder, that was yeah. not a good pitch. No. It, it, here's the other thing about that, right? Like, Bryce Harper crushes that whether or not Orlando Arcia. That's certainly true. As do most baseball players. (laughs) Yeah. So Bryce Harper, I mean, first of all, you know, Elder's cruising through two, as you mentioned, his slider in particular was looking gnarly. He's throwing it harder than ever. That's something he had been doing uh, through the second half of the season. The slider velo had ticked up. And as we're seeing, we're seeing sharp, like bad swings. Like we know Bryce Elder's not going up there punching out 12, but like it was like, damn, like we're getting we're getting whiffs. And so he was going to it, and it was certainly working against righties. Now, once the lineup turned over here, and with technically a base open, now you're gonna load the bases at this point in the game on purpose to face Alec Bohm with two outs. Maybe. I think there's some real discourse about that. Why wasn't there anybody warming at all uh, before Bryce Harper come to the plate? Who is the option there? Oh, well, they should have gone to Brad Hamble. Well, he gave up a home run to him later, whatever. The point is, is they were like, yeah, we, we, we're sticking with Bryce. But Bryce Harper um, establishing his Bryce blank er, supremacy, yeah. uh, telling Bryce Elder, sorry, 
you're going to have to compete with Bryce Miller next year because this ball's going uh, to Lewisburg. <laughs> Bryce Elder versus Bryce the Elder. Um. <laughs> Bryce, exactly. The relative elder. And yeah, I mean, it was it was a horrible pitch. And the kind of pitch, too, that, you know, when, when, the, when the inning is building and you're throwing more pitches, we saw this with Dean Kramer against the Rangers, right? He has to throw 15 pitches to Nate Lowe to lead off the inning. And then the command for the rest of it was like, oh, God, I, I, I have to throw something in there. And ka- kablooey, right? Yeah. And you just can't really miss there. To Mr. Harper, as we know, uh, the inning continues for two more batters. He walks Bryson Stott. Michael Tonkin comes in. A little bit of a strange first guy out, as much as I love uh, Michael Tonkin. Love Michael Tonkin, though. Yeah, but he's been struggling. He comes in. Rio Muto doubles. Now it's 6-1. The bank is rocking, and this game is kind of spinning out of control before it even begins. Aaron Nola was really good through five and two-thirds. Struck out nine, which was probably the most important thing to take away from that. If the Phillies lose the next two games, that'll be it for Nola uh, as a Philly as he reaches free agency at the end of the year. Uh, if it is, what a way to go out. Heck of a performance from him. Really turned his season around in a lot of ways. Yeah, and also, like again, before we get into all the extracurricular activities, um, it, it was Aaron Nola against Bryce Elder. Like, ultimately, the Phillies had the edge here. They needed to have the edge here. And he delivered, and it was a it was a really strong Nola performance, especially when the Braves' offense seemed to sort of be waking up, and then it it, it went quiet. Yeah. Phillies bullpen showing up again, but it almost felt like the Phillies' offense was as much of a deterrent of the Atlanta spirit uh, on offense yeah. as anything. Six home runs, two Castellanos homers, a Trey Turner blast, two Bryce Harper homers, and then a, a Brandon Marsh opposite field laser beam loft shot <laughs> pitching wedge. Just for good measure, Phillies win 10 to 2. Now, the one thing we did not mention in that recap is that when Bryce Harper hit his home runs, as he rounded second base, he gave a glance, an extended glance, an extra moment to Braves shortstop Orlando Arcia. Jordan, why? Well, uh, because as we mentioned yesterday, and as you may have seen shared by every possible uh not even sports adjacent uh, social media account over the last 24 hours. After game two, uh, Orlando Arcia was heard rather clearly by multiple reporters, including you, Jake Mintz, saying, boy Harper, boy!" after he was doubled off to end the game. This was very normal smack talk, very funny, honestly, smack talk. Uh, and you can imagine the emotions of the Braves clubhouse after that game two win, one of the greatest postseason victories we've seen in quite some time. But because that was heard in a room full of reporters and was reported in your story on Fox Sports, as well as uh, in another outlet, the Washington Post, that quote on the off day got out. Him saying that, him him giving a little, ooh, ha-ha, in your face, Bryce Harper, that gets out there. And that, when we talked about it yesterday before the game, we were like, wow, like this is funny that people are running with this. It's ridiculous that they don't believe you. We'll get to that in a second. But like, okay, a little bit of off-day spice, so be it, right? We're, we're adding some color to a series that doesn't necessarily need more spice, but we'll, we'll all take more of it, right? But Bryce Harper, the showman that he is, he knew, as we all found out, <laughs> unsurprisingly, Bryce Harper knows how to rise to the occasion, especially when the ball is thrown down the middle. With bases, with guys on base. <laughs> and so he delivered and he decided, I am a showman. I am a movie character. And this is theater. This is entertainment. This right. is sports. I am going to stare at the guy who laughed at me. 
What I thought was very interesting is in the post-game press conference, he was asked if he stared at him. And he said, yes, I did. I stared right at him. Then he was asked if he said anything. And Bryce said, no, I would never. And that, to me, is a very fascinating glimpse into what is accepted and what is not accepted on the field of play. It is a very odd understanding of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess those are the rules. <laughs> like, I, you know I think I mean? it's it's a combination of what you just said and also the way Bryce Harper That's thinks why about he thinks. things, right? Yeah. We've talked about this last postseason where he – I mean, he's given us some bat flips too, but generally for how many – jaw-dropping homers and moments he's been a part of, the emotion on his face stays very, very the same, right? Because it's a confidence, it's an expectation to deliver the greatness. And he'll let everyone else, he'll let Garrett Stubbs lose his mind on the bench because he just knows he's delivering the result. He can let everyone else lose their mind. <laughs> right. And it was really remarkable to see Harper. Mm-hmm. It, you know, ahead of the game... People saying, oh, Bryce Harper is he now he's ready to go. Like now he's gassed up. And like, okay, whatever. You know, I'm the person who, you know, in part reported it and tweeted it. Mm-hmm. And so like I guess I it some of me knew that like there was spice to the comment, obviously, yeah. and that's why I reported it. That yeah. they, it was meaningful and it was purposeful. But like I did not expect it to be the thing that like would catapult Bryce Harper to baseball greatness. You know, like <laughs> he was gonna do this anyway. Yeah. Right. And also, again, to be clear, like you're not reporting this to try and get Bryce Harper to hit home runs. <laughs> you're reporting this because it's an interesting thing that happened after a high profile postseason game. So let's get into that part of it. That's the Phillies. Oh, uh, t- tonight, game four, um, Spencer Strider on the bump <laughs> against Ranger Suarez. Strider in the stadium where his season ended a year ago. I all season long have been adamant that what happened to Strider in last year's postseason was not indicative of Spencer Strider. Like, that was not Spencer Strider pitching in that game after the first two innings. And I have every reason to believe that he is going to dominate and shove tonight as he has every single opportunity against the Phillies this year. The thing I'm most interested tonight, and then we'll get back to the RC stuff in a second, is what we saw work for the Phillies in game one was get enough against Strider and then a quick hook on Suarez and then a masterful bullpen performance. How long, first of all, what kind of adjustments do we see against Strider? That's m- most important. And then two, how long is Suarez going to go? Because he looked good, but we didn't see him go that deep into the game. So I'm curious how, how that game plan kind of shakes out. All right, let's talk about the extracurricular activities. Yes, let's do that. So I'm not really sure where to start. Well, here, uh, let I'll me just I'll, say I'll, 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 I, I'm tired. Yeah, that's I've fine. had a very bizarre 24 hours, probably yes. the weirdest 24 hours of... Definitely my career. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. That's for sure. And, you know, before we hop into it, I'll just say, like, from a personal perspective, it's all very jarring, I think, especially having now talked about baseball with you for a decade. <laughs> to, like, I feel like I woke up this morning and I'm, it's just an odd world to be living in. So, for sure. For sure. And uh, I think, again, as I kind of mentioned earlier, when we when we talked about it yesterday, I know some people were saying like, oh, wow, they downplayed it. Well, yeah, because it was, again, what happened in the game is what made this a story. What Bryce Harper did is what made this a story. And that's fine. Like, now we now we deal with that, right? But what does deal with that mean? And what are we really talking about? Because the people that doubted that this actually happened, we're going to move those people aside. Because yeah. Arcia verified it after. I'm not even going to spend the time to even energy or as 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 angry and both sad that it made me 
to the degree to which people doubted it. Let's move that aside. There is some level of interesting discussion to be had about the people who said, oh, this is, oh, uh, what Arcia said, which is, this is the clubhouse. Like, I thought that anything in the clubhouse stays in the clubhouse. So let's talk about that, because I think that is an interesting thing worth discussing. Travis Darno said it as well. I think he used mm-hmm. the phrase, and I really like Travis, just of to course. be clear. Um, he used the phrase the sanctity of the clubhouse and talked Sanctu- about yeah, how, like, sanctuary, whatever he said. Sanctuary, like, is, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. And the idea that like mm-hmm. me reporting it in the Washington Post reporting it was, you know, antithetical to all the people who had been good to them in the clubhouse all year. Mm-hmm. I take pride in developing a good relationship with players and building mm-hmm. trust with them. You know, I think that is a, a, a reason why I think I'm I'm pretty good at my job. Um, however, that's not the job. The job is to report what notable things happen around me when I am at a baseball field or even beyond it, right? Mm-hmm. Or And the locker room is a part of that. We as reporters, me as a member of the BBWA, mm-hmm. A, <laughs> second A, a Baseball Writers Association of America, I'm a card-carrying member. We have the right to be in that locker room for the totality of the availability. Mm -hmm. And I am allowed to report anything that I see in there unless it is deemed off the record by a player. Mm -hmm. Private conversations between players are typically, I will say, off limits. If you Mm -hmm. overhear something that is privately said, that's though you could report it, Mm -hmm. it's typically thought of not as off the record, but just like not pertinent or relevant. Sure. Orlando Arcia was not whispering. Yes. This is not that a situation. Is I, yes. That is what I want everyone to understand. I have audio of it. Okay. Someone sent me audio. Mm-hmm. He is not whispering. He is yes. screaming. Yes. And so it was not a situation where I was like poking my ear through a hole in the wall. It was, an, and part of the reason that other people didn't hear it is because they were in various scrums focused mm-hmm. on doing their jobs, which I respect, mm-hmm. doing interviews. I was moving around the room because I can't get to the front of a scrum because that's not the, the way that I write as more nationally focused, right? Mm-hmm. You know that. Yep. Um, and that's part of the reason other people didn't pick it up. I guarantee you that there are multiple people who have audio of it. I went back and I'm going to look at my audio of it this morning and see if sure. I have other audio, whatever. But this was not a whisper. And I think that's a relevant aspect of it. It was an unavoidable part. And for yes. Arcia to, to think of the clubhouse as a um, private place is fair because it is confusing. This is where when the media is not in there, it is a private place. They are changing in there. This is their second home away from home, right? I get that. And that's all true. However, when we're in there, it is open. It is all fair. It is all out loud. The reason that we have that access is to report on the goings on of the team to build a scene and to explain to people what is going on. And right now, this morning, what I am most disappointed and frustrated in is members of the local media in Atlanta hanging me out to dry and hanging the Washington Post out to dry, who also reported it, right, for doing our jobs, for saying that the clubhouse, that it should have stayed in the clubhouse. That is right now, like, where I am frustrated and disappointed. I can sift through people going on my personal Instagram, like threatening me and whatever, like people are stupid. That's going to happen. I'm doing my job. What makes me most disappointed is the people who are also so-called professionals 
mm-hmm. who are not who who are choosing a narrative that benefits them. I agree, and I think that the last thing I'll, I'll say about this, and then we'll talk about actual baseball again because uh, it's going to be a quick episode. Is I want to give credit to the the people the the Atlanta media that I have seen kind of be very clear about this. I mean, Mark Bowman put out a, a funny tweet this morning that was just like, why are people surprised by this? This is not that interesting, which is where kind of I stood yesterday. Like, it's regular smack talk. You didn't catch him saying anything. And again, catch is not the right word, but you didn't hear him saying something that was like legitimately heinous or offensive. Like, he was just very excited after, as I mentioned, a whole unbelievable emotional postseason win, Right. But right. the reason why I bring up the like I I, I want to give credit to Jeff Schultz who wrote uh, at the uh, at the Athletic today and what he pointed out as several other non-Atlanta you know beat words, uh, reporters have pointed out which is basically what Travis Darno is referring to and that trust in the clubhouse is that is a real thing and I, and I've having talked to reporters and players over the last you know twenty four hours that is a real thing right. During the regular season, when it's, you know, as, as Jeff referred to as an article, Tuesday against the Marlins and the local beat is in there. Yes, there are different standards there. That's, those are the people you see every day. Those are the people that you understand. This is our clubhouse. And ultimately, the local beat does become a part of that group. And there's trust there on a regular basis that there's more comfort. But when it is the playoffs and there's 100 media members in there and you are the most high-profile series – you know that the hour or so a day that your clubhouse is open, that is a time when there are people recording things. That does not mean that anything that happened there got leaked. That means that you said something that was very easily heard by, again, hundreds of people with cameras and recorders. So I understand and respect players, and it is the Braves' prerogative. If they want to get upset about this at you, that's disappointing for sure. So that's And we thing. can touch that's, on that briefly. That's the last yeah. thing we can say. But I, I understand that it's not saying like, oh, you should, you, this is not me saying players have to talk all that. No, that's not what I'm saying. But it is a very important distinction to make and that the postseason context here is very relevant. It's not a leak, right? Mm-hmm. That's the disappointing narrative of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So thinking about it, right, of like how it actually impacts, just to be personal about it, I mean, we're, we talk about that on the show. Like it's been a really shitty 24 hours from a mental health perspective. Like I'm I don't think I could have handled this a year ago. I think it really would have crushed me. And I, I feel like I'm doing all right. Just mm-hmm. like it, the amount of attention is overwhelming. The idea that I did something incorrect um, is, and like wasn't doing my job or like crossed a boundary is really difficult, especially when, you know, in the moment, like I checked. I checked mm-hmm. with multiple people before reporting it. Right. Yeah, And, and like, even as you're getting all kinds of absurd messages yesterday, I think what's helpful, and we appreciate our fellow people in the industry, that you had support from the standpoint of, no, you didn't do anything wrong. Right. Exactly. But I do anticipate anticipate a scenario where the Braves are giving me the cold shoulder moving forward. I'm not, you know, and like when I reported this, that was not part of the calculus. You know what I mean? Like I was not expecting this to become the story, and in part, Bryce Harper made it the story because yeah. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper did right? make it the story. Yeah, he made it the mm-hmm. story. You know, um, and so like, yeah, I think it's going to make that harder to do, mm-hmm. and I hope that the members of some members of that team are able to look past it and understand that like I'm not out here trying to screw guys over. I'm in the room and I overheard something that was being screamed, and like yeah. I thought it was pertinent to the story of the day. Yeah, you know, something that was interesting and added context for like this is all entertainment this is all sports right we're not trying to embarrass anybody and so yes if it ends up being fuel for bryce harper 
that's fantastically entertaining. And ultimately, yeah. if we were not anywhere close to this story, we'd be talking about this in a very different sense because it would not have impacted us directly. We'd just been like, holy shit, look that this happened. Look what Bryce Harper did, right? Um, yeah. And it's disappointing that it became anything more than that because you were not the story. <laughs> you shouldn't have been and you weren't. It was Bryce Harper. So, yeah, that was the yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah, uh, normal, normal, uh, normal. It was just normal Wednesday um, at the yard. So we will we will continue on and we will see what happens with the Braves and Phillies. And I trust that you will still be able to do a good job, um, despite everyone saying that you podcaster should have your credentials yanked away. Sorry, people, that's not happening. Uh, let's move on to, well, you know what? Let's take a quick break. And when we return, we are going to spend a little bit of time on the Astros and Diamondbacks advancing to the LCS. Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a quick housekeeping note about our merch. Look, in Australia, we love clothes and almost always wear them. If you're like us and also enjoy dabbling in clothes wearing, then why not consider some official Baseball Barbercast merchandise? Whether it's a jumper you're after, which you would call a sweatshirt, a cap, which we would call an old hair hugger, or a shirt, which we would call a belly wrap, we have it all for you. But that's not all. Do you also like to drink water or caffeinated beverages? Well, that's great because we have mugs and bottles to help you quench your thirst too. To buy any of this merch, go to podswag.com slash baseball. The link is in the description of the podcast. And don't leave yourself clothesless this And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast, Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman. You know what we should have done is mm. at the beginning of the season, we should have pre-recorded the Astros reach the ALCS chunk. Yeah. Would have saved us a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Could have just copied and pasted it in here. We didn't really need to to do it now. I mean, it's seven straight years, man. Yeah. And back then it would have been good too, because if we were recording it in March, you know, I would have been like, hey, you know, Jordan, wow. And like Jose Abreu. Oh, they have Jose Abreu now. Because at that point, I didn't know he was going to suck for four months and then turn it on in October. But as you say, here they are, year seven, once again, Justin Verlander with an all-time quote (laughs) during the celebration yesterday where he's just dropping F-bombs left and right. And he basically said something along the lines of, like, we fucking grinded. And then he was like, I wasn't even fucking here, which is so good. A great, great, a great, like, uh, you know, very self-aware recognition of I was on the Mets. And then I got brought back to the team that was guaranteed to be in the LCS. Pretty good. (laughs) And now I get to play against Max Scherzer. Uh, We'll get to all that on tomorrow's show. But the point is, as for this game in particular, the Houston Astros behind a stellar effort from Jose Urquidy, the most predictable uh, baller performance of the season. Uh, Urquidy pitching into the sixth. You could just tell um, that Dusty Baker was going to trust Mr. Urquidy. And then, (laughs) I mean, Neris, Abreu, and Presley striking out eight batters over the final three innings, uh, not allowing a hit, is... I mean, I joked before, like, well, the, the Astros probably won't deliver the greatest, uh, you know, bullpen performance in postseason history, which there was at least a moment. There was at least a moment with Naris earlier in the series, but no, now he's back. Abreu is unbelievable. Presley is unbelievable. And Carlos Correa ends the season on deck. Oh, mm. man, oh, man. Wow. This was a hell of a game, by the way. This was a game yeah. I know you did not really get to experience this because you were uh, occupied, but... Um, wow, this was a fantastic baseball game. Minnesota, hats off. There is nothing to be ashamed of here. And if anything, 
there should be even more pride and excitement about this team moving forward than in some ways Baltimore, right? In the ways that I know Baltimore won more games, but like this is a team that I am so confident now should be in such good position in the AL Central moving forward. We wanted a team, and even though they didn't win 95 games, I wanted a team to go show something, that they were building something that could dominate this shitty division. And I think that they can do that. There are still offensive pieces we need to see come together, but I was so impressed with them uh, all, all October long and um, and all, all season long, truly. This pitching was so awesome. And uh, losing the Astros, there's there's no shame in that. Carlos Correa with one of my favorite athlete bro pieces of advice ever, a piece of advice I've given many times. When you get eliminated, mm-hmm. watch the celebration of the other team. Let it eat you. Mm-hmm. We see players do this. You know, I think when the Rangers beat the Orioles, Adley Rushman was there oh, on yeah. the top step, soaking <laughs> in the pain. Correa's like standing uh, on the on the railing after the last out, like holding, you know, Edward Julian's head, like, look at this. Look bear at witness. Yeah, bear witness. Live this. Understand this pain. We, this will fuel you next year. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I like mean, again, it's, it's true. Like to be honest, when when uh, in college, my sophomore year, junior year, maybe when we got eliminated in the playoffs, I think junior year, I have a picture of the field like at like one a.m. after we lost. I made it my phone back. <laughs> let, let this fuel you. Um, but but again, it was it was such an impressive Astros performance because it's like Urquidy. It's like, oh, or Keaty, maybe they're going to need more runs. Like, and on offense, they strike out 10 times, draw zero walks, but doesn't matter. Like, they get an 0 for 12 from Altuve, Bregman, and Tucker, and they close out the series. That's what we're talking about. Jose um, Urquidy, dude, in the postseason. October Urquidy. I need, I need Bryce Elder to learn a little something from Jose Urquidy. Now, Jose Urquidy was pitching in like his 13th playoff game, which is amazing for someone that there are still probably a lot of people that haven't heard of him. Uh, but he's he's super duper impressive. So I need I, yeah, I need Jose or Kitty to write how to get outs in October with diminished stuff. <laughs> right. He's throwing harder than Elder, uh, but he yeah. it was the same kind of mix with with kind of the change up and, and changing eye levels. He's he's really impressive. Uh, and it's such, it's also just such a great contrast right to the other Astro starters that we see that is that makes him so impressive Royce Lewis has another moment there with that homer Julian has a huge game which was impressive but ultimately yeah I mean they had three hits Julian had two of them and Royce Lewis had one so amazing pitching performance from Houston and they advance to face the Rangers oh my goodness that is going to be something but we'll save that for tomorrow's show yeehaw (laughs) yeehaw indeed let us move on to quickly wrap up the Dodgers and D-backs oh baby the NLC uh, the D-backs. How about this team joining Texas at five and zero in October? They return home to a rock and chase field that did look like mostly D-backs fans. I gotta say, there were a lot of Dodgers fans for sure, but it was not a Dodgers home game. And if it was, those Dodgers fans were not standing up and getting loud because they had nothing to stand up and get loud about. Let's fast forward to the third inning. Again, we have Lance Lynn and Brandon Fott. Brandon Fott was fantastic, so credit to him. But the third inning was an inning that will go down in Arizona sports history as one of the more amazing sequences we've ever seen. The nine-hitter Geraldo Perdomo hits a home run off Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn, who had allowed 44 home runs in the regular season. Corbin Carroll grounds out. Hey, got Corbin Carroll out. We're feeling good, right? One out. D-backs up one nothing. Cattell Marte. Oops, sorry. That's another homer. Okay, that's two. Tommy Pham grounds out. Hey, we got just two outs. We're chilling. 
We're chilling. That's fine. We're, we took care of Carol and Fan. Those are the guys we've been most worried about. Oh, oops, never mind. Christian Walker, he launches one. That's three homers in the inning. And then Gabriel Moreno, who I am writing about ahead of the NLCS. He's awesome. For Fox Sports. He is so good. And I'm not going to spill all the stuff that I have for him uh, for the article. But man, what a player. He launches a ball down the right field line that looks like a homer. He rounds the bases. They're shooting off the light show and everything. Oh, just kidding. It's foul. All right. Sorry, Gabby. Get back in the box. Next pitch. Boom. Sends it over the fence. He was like, you know what? That whole rounding the bases thing, that was pretty fun. I'm going to do that again. And with Lance Lynn pitching, that is a possibility. It Jake, is a probability. <laughs> it is a probability. Quote of the season from Tommy oh. Pham. All right. Oh, dude. He is. I love Tommy Pham so much. And I'm excited we get to keep talking about Tommy Pham. All right. Tommy Pham on his reaction to the home runs. Four homers in the inning. Quote, Domo got one, and I was like, hell yeah. Marte crushed one. I was like, hell yeah. Seawalk blasted one, and I'm like, damn. Then Moreno hit the foul ball, and I'm like, ah, damn. Very next pitch, he blasted one. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. Hell yeah, indeed, Tommy. Hell Smith. yeah. That's how I felt watching the Arizona Diamondbacks advance to the NLCS. What a story. What a story. So many layers to this organization. I think we'll dig into them a little bit more as we preview the NLCS once we know who they're playing. But the last thing I will say about them before we end this show, the pool party was a delight to watch. This is something that I'm sure they've been looking forward to. They did it when they clinched the postseason, but this one had to be so much sweeter. Sweeping the Los Angeles Dodgers, watching Corbin Carroll and Paul Seawald cannonball into this pool with their friends was so freaking sweet. Zach Allen is a beast. Everything about Zach Allen talking about how proud he was of Brandon fought, that, that made me happy. So many levels of this. The D-backs bullpen, Thompson a little shaky, but Mantiply shows up. Saul Frank again. Ginkle, what a beast. And mm. Seawald, the Mariners fan in me. Ugh, this is great. And, and a great thing too is like Mariners fans are so, they love Seawald so much that the happiness for him outweighs the anger over the trade. It's just like, you know what? I'm happy for Paul. What a guy. Shouts out to Isaiah Campbell, Mariners reliever, who was sitting behind home plate for this game, and nobody identified him for the entire game. And then after, <laughs> I was like, that's Isaiah Campbell. So that was very cool. But anyway, um, we love Paul Seawald, and this D-backs team is just a true delight. And I'm excited to talk about them more in going into the next round. That's a show, Jordan. We did it. You can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-Cast. Uh, hopefully the RCS stuff is indeed behind us. We will proceed with this series. What happens tonight? Strider versus Suarez. We are all very excited to watch it. I hope that it is uh, delivers and we can move on to continuing to enjoy an incredible playoff matchup. So thank you to Chris Tyler for producing. Thank you, Jake Mintz, for recording this podcast with me. And uh, we appreciate all the support and everyone uh, being like, oh yeah, no, they are real reporters. That's Thanks. We are. Somehow. Look, <laughs> but, hey, yo, look, yeah. based upon what my life was a couple years ago, it's fucking surprising for me too. Yes. A hundred percent. Doing 100%. it for the last two years. So hundred percent. hundred percent. As we said yesterday, we understand this is not the normal people. That doesn't mean that we are not doing the job to the best of our ability, but thank you all for listening. We'll be back. I believe tomorrow to uh, preview. I mean, we'll see what happens with Braves Phillies, but we will be back tomorrow uh, in some form on this here podcast feed. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye. Serious XM Podcasts.